Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. But he's here in studio and what a pleasure to have him. Uh, a man who, you know, when you're growing up, one thing my father always did is he bought every single newspaper. Every newspaper. He will buy The Citizen. He will buy The Star. He will buy all the newspapers, the Sowetan. And so, oh, me as a football lover, I'll always see these newspapers and I always started at the back and you read and then you read the byline and you wonder what this person looks like because it was, well, the 90s. You don't know what does this person look like. And then you meet them and you say, okay, maybe he looks a little bit different. I wasn't expecting him to look like this. And one of them um, whose pieces I always read, especially when it was about Bafana Bafana, was Matila Nemamabulo. And so such a great pleasure to have him in studio here today. Thank you so much uh, for joining us in Studio Projects. Uh, good evening, Mr. Billy and your listeners. Thank you for having me. You have written football, boxing, uh, athletics, but just as a journalist, where did it start for you? Where, where did you always want to be a journalist? No, no. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I studied at high school. We did commercial subjects, and I thought I wanted to do BCom. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I I failed my maths. I failed my accounting, so I didn't get into BCom. And all my friends were going to study law, and I went with them. You know, um, so yeah. And I was I was I studied law at at Kotef Tef Tef Loop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only studied for three months because I realized it wasn't for me. And a friend of mine who was also studying said, why don't you become a journalist? And I'm like, journalist, why? And he says, you're always writing, you know? Um, and yeah. What I, were you always writing? <laughs> letters to girls. <laughs> 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 you know how it was back then in the... Yes. In, yeah. So, so yeah. And, and I thought about it. I, I left. I dropped out of law school. And I came to Joburg and I studied... Um, Journalism called Benham College for six months and I went back home and I I started writing for it was called Le Bois Times back then. Um I think nineteen ninety two. And yeah, um I remember the first time I got into the into the office, the editor gave me a press release and he said, Yeah, I'll write a story and I read it and I, I honestly didn't understand. It had to do with um the back then it was Barakimang Ramudike. Mm-hmm. So he was announcing ministers, or back then they called them ministers, you know, of the homelands. Of the homelands, yeah. And and I just wrote what I saw. And this editor looked at it and he said, "Well, Nasan, you don't know politics. This was just a reshuffle because I thought he was announcing a new thing." <laughs> so yeah, and I didn't know what to write. I went home. It was weekend. I went to a football match, just watching. And I started writing. And on Monday, I went to him and I gave him that. And he said, "Yeah, son, you must be a soccer journalist." And that's how it started. And, and and so when you are there going to study law um, or wanting to do BCom, and given the time, the, there was pressure, I guess, from for many for many black families to say, you must be a doctor, you must be a lawyer, mm. you know, you must be an accountant. When you drop out of law school and say you want to want to do journalism, how was it received in the family? Oh, my mama was not happy. Look, for, for initially she she. I mean, I remember I went home um, one weekend and we were at home with my mom watching, I think it was Law and Order or something. And my mom said to me, do you think you can do what these people are doing? And I said, no. And she says, so what are you doing? Why are you studying law? But 
But when I dropped out, she didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spoke to my aunt who lived here in Joburg and I asked to come stay with them to study. And, and I came back and I studied and I started working there. And then 1993, I, I went to Rao to study journalism. Which is now UJS, yeah, the old Rand yeah. Africans and, University. And back then they taught in Africans. And yeah, I stayed there. So what they did at Rao was the first few months, the first month actually, before we went into class, those of us who were not African speakers, they made us, we had a course where they got us used to being taught in Africans. And we did that. And in the middle of it, they said to me, no, you actually can't study journalism because you don't have maths. And they said, I must study BA languages. And I said, Mm-mm. and I dropped out again. Mm-hmm. And I went home, this is 93, early 1993. And that time my mom cried because like, this kid, why are you continuously dropping out? Here and- but then I found out they were, um, could take TNT, it's called TUT now. They were studying their journalism course. It was the first time and I went and I was accepted. And yeah, we were the first group that studied journalism there. It's the home of the Afropolitan, Kai FM 95.9, speaking to an Afropolitan here in studio, sharing his story with us, Matila Nemamabula. Many of you will have read his stories over the years. If you followed football like I did, back in the 90s and were one of those who waited outside the stadium to catch a glimpse of John Shoes Mushweu or Dr. Kumalo getting onto the bus and always read your newspapers, then you will have read his many of his articles and seen his byline over the years. When, after you wrote that first piece at the Lebua Times, just, you know, watching over the weekend, when did you know that this thing is for me? So, so it was... It wasn't a long time because I, look, I've always liked to play football, but I'm asthmatic. So, in fact, you know, as a black kid, you grow up. We did karate early on and I yes. I was told I, I couldn't continue because I would come back home wheezing. I couldn't breathe. And they said I must stop doing sports. Then later on, I played soccer and continuously I would come back home wheezing, struggling to breathe. And I stopped. But no doctor said to me I'm asthmatic. So I wasn't aware it was asthma. So it wasn't. So I loved football um, and, you know, when I started writing about it, 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 it was funny. It was just something that came naturally. I think, I think like mm. I said, writing was just something I, I, I just could do. But with football, you know, you're watching something you like, you can't play it. So why not get involved? Mm-hmm. So I knew then, uh, back then when we grew up, there was a guy called John Padu. I mean, the people who come from Limpopo will tell you about him. He wrote for the Lebois Times. He was like a top journalist for us that we all admired. And I followed him and he always said, nice, nice, nice job, son, nice job. So I knew when I went to study at TNT, I knew that I wanted to be a journalist. And I started reading and the one person I always read was Sileman. Yes. Um, you know, it was, it was very funny because... Saleman had a byline there where they showed just his head and his hair. And I always used to cut his stories. And I say, one day when I grow up, I want to write like this woman. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was a woman. And I found out later on that, no, actually the guy. But he, he's the one guy that I grew up saying, I'd love to write like Saleman. So it was my inspiration. And of course, Saleman wrote, for those who may not know him, he wrote tennis, he wrote football in the main for decades and decades and if i'm not mistaken was the first winner 
of uh, the South African Journalist of the Year, Sports Journalist of the Year Award, um, having been decorated, having even uh, worked for the likes of, of CNN and others, and still at these days attends press conferences in what is eighty something, yeah, yeah. and 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 plays a bit of tennis. So he is uh, one of the legendary um, journalists of, of South African sport. So then you're saying, okay, I want to be like Sir Lemon. This is the person I want to be like. What was your breakthrough piece initially? Because I find that most people have a few. One, maybe in the middle of your career when you're established and you've got contacts and you do a really good story that goes around the nation perhaps. But there's always those one or two in the beginning that people say, hey, this kid has got talent. Yeah. Look, I, I had a, you know, the normal start that you get, at, especially at the big newspapers. You know, when I got to the star in 1995. How did you get to the star? So um, when we studied at TNT, you had to study two and a half years. And then the last six months you go and do in-service training. And um, I, I, re- I remember I applied and I worked at the, it was called the South African Communication Services back then. I think it's called the GCIS now. Yes. I worked there for a month, but yeah, bra- I worked there and it was like you have tea at 10, lunch at 1, tea at 3, and I knew I didn't want to do that. <laughs> And some guys were just talking about the cadet school at the star. And, you know, there was a guy I studied with who then found out how we apply. And we both applied and we got into the cadet school. And then through the cadet school after, I think we went there August and in December, they put us into different departments. And I remember they were explaining that, you know, you move from one department to another. And I knew I could never write news. Um, the first time they took us to, to a, court, a court case. And I remember... Uh, Eugene Dukok was was appearing there oh, okay. and, and he was talking, they were talking about how, you know, in the apartheid times when they killed those people. And I remember crying there and I knew there and there that I could never ever write about any other thing but sports because I'm too emotional to cover any anything else. So I went to the sports editor who was Julian Kenz at the start at the time and I asked to be in sports. They said, no, you have to go. But fortunately, I had a portfolio. Uh-huh. Because I had written for the ti- for Libua Times and at TNT, I had written for the TNT update for three years, and everything was sports. So they saw that and they said, "This is sports." But um, the, the, you ask about the the, the you know the, the, the one or two stories, that. yeah. So for me, it was it was very fun. I worked at the Star for two years. So two years, I was just there, there and thereabouts. You know, just a guy, fella reporting, and then David Lake. Um, was at the Saturday Star and the Sunday Independent and he called me over and very early on there was a I never forget there was a cricket match between South Africa and Australia and the big talking point was there was a sledging match between I think uh, what's that guy Shane Warne, Shane Warne and the and South African players and it mm-hmm. was a big deal and we were sitting with David and David said I wonder if this happens in football you know, sledging. And we said, okay, let's try it. So we used to write like these big features in the Saturday Star. I remember them, yeah. Broadsheet. Yeah. And and I phoned around. So I phoned soccer players asking them, guys, this is what has happened in cricket. Does this happen in soccer? And and it was funny because everybody, they all said, bruh, we can't tell you this thing, the things that happen on the pitch, you can't write them in the paper. I said, listen, just tell me. And they all explained, you know, how they swear at each other. And they used all the swear words. And I compiled everything and I went to my boss and we sat down and we looked at the story and we're like, you know, you can't do aster. You know, in, in papers, if somebody swears, you have to use aster. Yes, the F and then the rest of And the, And all the other things. Yeah. And we sat with David and we said, if we use asterisks, this story is going to lose 
its impact. So we went to this to the editor then. Uh, there was Brendan Siri and Paula Frey, and we said, "Listen, this is the story. What do we do?" They read it. They said, "Go with it as it is." So on the front page, they said, "There's a story on the back page. If you're sensitive, don't go." You know, people people always go where they say, "Don't go." And I promise you, that story changed my my whole career because everybody spoke about it. I remember the next day I was on radio stations. John Robbie called me in the morning and they were all talking. So suddenly somebody, people started saying, who's this kid? Uh And then for me, I think that was the beginning because that was 19, I think 1998. And then, you know, it it started building up from there. I started covering the under 23s and I just grew up with them from there. You're talking about those years, 1998, and they are synonymous for football journalists with the heyday of Bafana Bafana. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Matila Nemamabula. He's a veteran football journalist, boxing, athletics as well. But that time, a magical time for South African sport in general. But for football, I think, in particular, simply because it has been difficult to return to, or to, 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 to re-experience that success mm-hmm. as a nation. What was it like covering the Bafana Bafana beat at that time? It was, it was amazing. I, I was fairly young because I remember the star we had Billy Cooper who really covered Bafana. I, I, I was just, you know, essentially following. I did the, the under-20s and the under-23s. But one thing that I remember vividly was they used to camp at, um, what's this, Sunnyside Park Hotel. Yes. And, and the one thing that we would go to the training session at, at Mill Park. And at the end of the session, uh, Clive would say, guys, come to the hotel. And, you know, we would go and we would have lunch with the players. And Clive would say, talk to anybody. So there was this, there was this whole, this is our national team. As journalists, we were allowed. I mean, I remember going up to the rooms to, you know, to do an interview with Dr. Kuman and all those guys. And there was that whole, it was a family like. And, and I think Clive managed to, to create an environment where the players were just happy, you know. It was a happy place. And as as journalists as well, it was easy to write about our national teams. Even with when Brashek was coaching under-20s and under-23s, he always camped at Mill Park. And it was always, you could see, Jake, he would say, come sit with us. And, you know, you sit there. And there was no us and them. Whereas, you know, if, you, if, you, if I compare that time and what is happening now is we are almost seen as enemies to the national team. So there's no... You know, there's no buy-in and too often mm-hmm. when that happens you know when you sit and and it's very easy then when you see wrongs to almost amplify them whereas in the past it's like you know it's you know this is these are people they've made a mistake but let's not crucify them whereas now it's like i mean i'll give you Clive. what's the guy who left now Stuart baxter Stuart, Stuart baxter, baxter had, a, had a bad attitude you know he, he for me i i've always said he should never have gotten the job they gave him but that guy's attitude was such that when he failed you know yes it's the nation that failed and it's it's sad and it's painful but you like thinking good riddance you know Mm. so that's for me that's the difference there was obviously there's also difference in talent back then there's difference in do you think there's difference in talent because i i think it's an opportunity to pause and reflect on south african football in general do you think that talent is less or look the talent i think will always be there i think it's the attitude and and listen i i i actually think that um that problem is not uh, specific to just football it's a general thing um i'll tell you um when 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 and i know too often when 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 the older generation speaks the new generation always says oh yeah they're jealous they, they don't have this but 
I, I look at what is happening in our own industry now and, and I do not see the young guys who are coming having the kind of hunger that some of us had when we came in where you you wanted to make a name for yourself, where you 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 know, you knew that you had to I mean I got into the star knowing that there's Billy Cooper, there's Phil Nyamani who covered Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates. I aspired to to want to get there, but I knew that I had to prove myself and I worked hard at it. Um I, I sometimes tell the younger guys now that, you know, their problem is that they interviewed Iniesta. You know, they, they hosted the World Cup, which was good. And they all just, you know, you come in and suddenly you're covering the World Cup and they mm. start thinking they are all dead. They've Maybe made things it. have come and, too easily. I, th I think so. I think so. I think there hasn't been, like, that, like, like I'm telling you, we had to go through the cadet school. I knew that I could never cover Kaiser Chiefs when Billy Cooper was there. It's just, he was the senior guy. Now there isn't that... You know, mentorship is also not there anymore. And, and let's pause and talk about that because it's a fabulous point. And we always ask those who come in here to give advice to people who aspire to be where you are. It's almost mm -hmm. heading towards nine o'clock. My, how time flies when you're having fun. We're talking to a veteran journalist Matsila Nemamabolo sharing his story with us but also sharing some advice because I'll get DMs I'll get emails I'll get lots of uh, requests of people who want to come and see what radio works like and want a little bit of advice what advice do you give to someone who feels that sports journalism or football journalism in particular is where they want to end up but can't seem to get there or, or the doors are closing what advice do you give to people who want to be there look, or who want to make it yeah as well. look look i mean fortunately i i lecture i've been fortunate that at, at the tnt where i studied um they've often called me to come and help and and i've i've been going there for years uh, i've just gone back this year again and and it's it's so sad that the the current kids who are there are you know they're in my class they want to they're, they're writers so it's a it's a writing class and i i always the first question i always ask ask them is who's your favorite journalist and they give you this surprised look they are studying journalism they're in second year or third year they have no role model that they want to follow that's they already there's a problem there if you yeah. want to we all grow up that there's you know you need to aspire to something and if you don't aspire to anything you're not going to get there for those who say they want to be uh, i i've always had a lot of people say oh the doors are closed it's because they apply for jobs. If you apply for a job, too often there are no jobs. Mm -hmm. Come in and say, I want to shadow Musibudi, follow Matsilani when he goes to the stadium or Tabang or whoever. And it's just just offer yourself. Um, like I said, I, I was sitting at home when I was still young. Um, I went and covered a, a drum majorette. I was watching and I just wrote and I took it to the that newspaper and they took it and they published it. And and that's that's all you have to do, write. These days they have they have the platform they write on social media. Mm. I think I think the biggest problem is exactly that they they all live on social media, which is fine. But if you're not going to use it to your advantage, you know, you say you want to come into radio, just record something for Musibudi and come and show it to him and say, listen, I was at this place. This is what happened. Then that's that's your way in. But I find that um, it's it's almost like they think it just happens just because i have a diploma or i have a degree the job should open up it doesn't work like that yeah it, indeed and one must be consistent i mean i i share a similar story of a young man who is working for us in durban now but he used to send me lots of stuff wanted to be on radio whoa he will bombard me bombard me and send me stuff and he sent me some good audio and i said who produces he said i produced it myself i said well head out to the game there's a game tomorrow we haven't got anyone covering it amazul is playing 
he went and he sent me the stuff and now Tateza Komsimango covers all our beats uh, down in Durban. So, mm. a good example. But talk mm. to me in particular about some of those that you've worked with because you have been in this game for over 20 years. Who is going to take that mantle forward of writing? And I know you have mentored the likes of Njabulongiti who's doing very, very well at the moment mm. and uh, one of the shining lights of, of football journalism in, in the country. But who have you worked with and who do you look at in writing that says these are the ones who are going to carry this message look i mean you you mentioned in jabulo and jabulo is, is is one of the best um i mean very humble guy um he came in from technicon as well he was working at the citizen and i used to read his stories and i'm like i think there's potential there um and he came in with us he, he just grew from strength to strength what he's doing at new frame is amazing um, Tsebang Mailwani, who's now at kickoff. Um, I mean, Tsebang, Tsebang came, he did not study journalism, Tsebang. Um, he, he loved football. Uh, straight from metric, he came into our office just to, you know, visit. And he wrote something. And I remember my boss, David Lake, saw him writing. And he says, what's that? And we showed him. And he says, this boy must come and work here. And I remember there was a fight with him and his parents because the parents wanted him to go to school. But... You know there was this opportunity so he, he's one of the guys i feel um that i worked with that has done well there's there there was a lady called kushata ndibi i don't know if you, you remember her kushata was mm. like just just different class um this girl i lectured her the first time i lectured and um she was in my class and she wrote something and i said you're a good writer come and work with us she knew nothing she, she was a you know she's a girl she doesn't like sports she didn't love sports but she came in and um, she just changed. We it's when we used to have shoot. I don't know if you remember. Yes, the, the yes, supplement, that supplement, that supplement, and she she was just a natural. Um, she's she's from Botswana. She's gone back, but um, I think if any publication want want a brilliant writer, that girl was just something else. As we wrap up this interview with Matilani Mamabulo, who's sharing his wonderful story with us, hopefully it will serve as inspiration for those listening right now. We'll ask a couple more questions. A couple more questions. Um, one, the importance here of, 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 of this national team, Bafana Bafana in particular, and how it can also inspire journalists. Because you've mentioned that it can work the other way around. Mm. But w- w- what needs to happen in South Africa, in South African football, for Bafana Bafana... Um, and, and I'm asking from the point of view of someone who experienced and lived through those wonderful times. I remember producing a podcast last year about the uh, the 20-year anniversary of Bafana Bafana's uh, debut World Cup performance in 1998. You were one of the people I interviewed and you spoke about what a magical time it was to be alive. That every time Bafana Bafana played, there was this expectation that it would win. We could all name the starting 11 forwards and backwards. And that inspired many people like myself to be doing the job that I'm doing today because I loved Bafana Bafana. What needs to happen to get that team right? Because like rugby is inspiring someone now who will end up being a rugby journalist, mm. Bafana Bafana can do the same. I think I think it consistency. You, you mentioned the fact that back then we could all name the starting lineup. And I think I think that's where, where we've had a problem over the previous years where you know we chopped and changed coaches, but the coaches themselves also were just not consistent in their in their lineup what what made that time that time that we had very successful was exactly that we had a coach 
who trusted the the players that he had and they delivered there was there was a relationship between the players and the coach there was a relationship between the team itself and the association that that led that and i i sometimes feel now that there's a serious disconnect um stuart baxter had his weaknesses but some of the things that he was talking about in terms of not having the support of the very association that hired him were true was a problem so so and 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 also the the the, the what do you call the development chain uh, we 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 used to have a proper under 20 side where you knew who's playing there these kids grow up they go into the under 23s and later on they move up so that we haven't had that so so there's there's just a lot of serious disconnect my hope is in in Mulefinzegi, i believe we have a guy who won he's a south african we know what he's capable of as a coach um people We'll talk about he doesn't have experience. He has huge experience. He Lots. might not have coached at the highest level. But he's, he's but been he's to World been, Cups. He's been there. He knows. Yeah. He knows exactly. And I think he's, he's, a, he's a guy we need to back as a country. The association in particular need to really support him. When he says, I need this, let's give him that. And then we can go there. But until until the association itself start to take itself seriously. Because sometimes I feel, and I felt for like this for a long time, that... We, 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 our football is run by a lot of politicians who do not really love the game, who care about themselves and their pockets. And, and, and the sooner they, they realize that they, are, they can actually line up their pockets much more if the team is more successful, exactly. honestly. <laughs> so, so make the team succeed and you will succeed. The sponsors will roll in and our football will, 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 will do well. We, we have the talent in South Africa. We have the the infrastructure. You hear all national teams that come from yeah. parts of the continent come here and look at us and say, how do you not succeed? We've got how many people in South Africa? 56 million. Surely there's the talent there. Mm. The key is let's take our football more seriously than we yeah. do take ourselves seriously. Then I think, I think we, will, we will do it. We as, as journalists, we are always seen as we are anti, but it comes from a place of patriotism we love our nation we love our national football team and we write the things we write because sometimes we are very frustrated that the people who are tasked with running it are just not doing it the right way wonderfully said and that's where we end it in a nutshell nowadays you are scaling back a bit not working the beat as much able to write what you like like steve biko you are getting more into running athletics running sub three hour marathons for fun What's the next chapter for 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 Matilane Mamabolo? Because uh, are you done yet? Is there still that you is there is there more that you feel you still have to give? Yeah, this look. I I, I as you say, I've I've moved into road running and I'm loving it. Um, I love writing about it, but I'm very passionate about about developing people. Like I said, I'm I'm lecturing at TUT. Um, I I have ideas of of I I feel that. The universities are not bringing in, and that's why I went back. The, there's a gap between, you know, what the kids learn at school and what happens in the in the in the industry. And my, my head is like I'm gravitating towards that side, mm-hmm. that bridging that gap. It's something I'm working on, but I I will not stop writing. Uh, so not, a book. not now. Yeah, there's there's books books. I I'd love to write a book. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking a, a, a road running book. A soccer book will come later. Um, soccer people don't don't like books. I don't know why. <laughs> I've I've had I don't know how many people have have sat with, discussed ideas of writing books, and then they just you know too often it just doesn't happen because soccer people are very strange that way. 
Okay, we'll hold you to that one. Thank you so much for your time. People are loving this interview. Uh, Simlet is loving it. Uh, Busiwa Mukwena also tweeting us. Neil Johnson and others loving it. And lots, lots more. Vurvai telling us, oh, chili boy, I'm loving it. Uh, Kurisho. Wamarimira says, don't think... Uh, uh, he'd have cared. He's saying the shout out to Njawulongiti and all the football journalists also loving this one. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Prajakes. And uh, we look forward to that book. And uh, thank you to your contribution. Thank you for your contribution uh, to sports journalism. Thank you so much. Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.